you googling the Beano Joe? I'm feeding my creative beast. Why are you painting in the dark, Heather? I'm feeding my creative beast. Uh, why are you dressed like Billy Joel? I'm feeding my creative beast. Need to feed it when it gets hungry. Got to stop it from getting angry. Come on in and let's find out how to feed your creative beast. You're through to Heather Minor at Creative Beast HQ. Please leave your message after the beast. Heather, it's Joe. I'm running late for our interview. Can you just... Sorry, Joe. I'm just working on a cover of Love is a Battlefield by Pat Benatar. It's a full moon tonight. I don't function correctly on a full moon. I forgot to put my tights on once. Oh, no, I love a full moon. It's great for night crafting. Like what? Tin mining? No, just making things in the dark. I think I can see you. Are you wearing a cape? Yes, and I can see you. Leave the door ajar so I can run straight in. Hi! Ow! Right on time. Oh, that might be our delivery of Mrs Malcolm's edible glitter in blast-off bronze. Hello? Are you our delivery of Mrs Malcolm's edible glitter in blast-off bronze? No, I'm Unit One worker. I've been sent to work here as your new intern. I've got nothing to do with bronze or blasting off. Oh, ooh, that's odd. Right. I just need to check that you are Unit 2 worker, Heather Miner, and Unit 3 worker, Joe Neary. And today your guest is... Oh, hang on, I've got it round here somewhere. The list is here, hang on. Why are you so disorganised? We're not disorganised, we've been really busy. We had a commission. A commission? From whom? What's he called again now? Oh, you know, he's got a funny name. Um, uh, Harold. Harold... Sobo? Did you just make that name up? No. Hmm. I look forward to meeting this. Harold Sobo. Oh, look, Joe, our desk diary. It says our special guest is puppeteer Daisy Jordan. Do you remember we went to see her show? Yes. The Sorrowful Tale of Sleeping Sydney, based on a true story about a murderer poisoning sweets. Oh, I loved it. It was brilliant. And you're collecting her in your portable, respectable vestibule? It's our special truck. But it looks like a bog-standard vestibule inside, doesn't it, Heather? Yes, it's got the Aspidistra, Dado Rail, Portrait of Michael Flatley. It's where we do our interviews. Right. I shall just use your facilities and then we can be on our way. You can't come. There's only three chairs in the vestibule. Well, there's two chairs and a chaise long. I need to keep my feet elevated for health reasons. <sighs> but it's my job to ensure you abide by the secret laws of podcasting. Well, they sound fun. What are they? I can't tell you. They're secret. Then how can we be sure we're abiding by them? Aha. Uh-huh. I've installed an alarmed detection device. Ooh, I've always wanted one of those. Has one step wrong and the interview will be terminated. Seems a bit extreme. Extreme circumstances call for extreme measures. Right, it's time for you to go and collect Daisy in a sensible manner. Try not to be too ridiculous. To the vestibule! When you have a guest but your place is a mess And there's things you don't want them to see The portable, respectable vestibule is the place to be We pick up guests in our special truck Drive as far as the eye can see Then ask them questions to find out about Their creativity Their creativity
Daisy Jordan is my name and I'm a puppeteer, artist and puppeteer. Do you feel less lonely when you're on stage with your puppets? Completely, definitely. Especially because the most recent show it is just me as the performer and um, and it's really nice to have colleagues to kind of share the moment with and you know you're a bit nervous, look at each other, have a bit of a pep talk. <laughs> do you have paper mache glass eyes? <laughs> Do you do warm-ups together? <laughs> well, we sort of do. We look at each other. And, like, what if I've got two puppets? What I do is I make them look at each other. I often... <laughs> this is true for the last show that I did. Um, the two urchin puppets that I have, one in each hand. <laughs> and I make them hug each other. Oh! <laughs> and I just sort of look at them. And, like, we just and just think, it's okay. We, we can do this. And then I just give them a little hug and I make them sort of, like, oh, silently dear. talk to each other just to, Get them alive. <laughs> it's so sad. Oh, that's it's very so nice, Stacey. Um, <laughs> but you know, they're my colleagues here. They're my colleagues here. Oh, sometimes I think it'd be lovely to have colleagues. Yeah. Mm, but then I remember working in an office. Why don't you draw a face on your kettle? Mm, mm, maybe. Anything with a face on it's better than nothing when you're working alone. Calling lonely artists. Are you alone in your workshop? Fear not. Help is at hand. Perhaps late at night, you're the only one left in the forge, crying and talking to your lathe. Have people moved away in fear as you marched about town with an easel under one arm and a vase, looking for a view, perhaps, and talking to yourself? Perhaps you've taken to wearing air defenders and an oxygen mask as you avoid unfamiliar interactions on public transport. Don't worry. Help is at hand with Faso. Put a face on it with Faso. With Faso, you can put a face on any inanimate object and use our small portable megaphone to give your new pal the voice of your choice. Much less argumentative than a real person, and cheaper too. Faso, for all your companionable needs. Um, would you ever <laughs> recast an existing puppet in a new show, like put a wig on it? Oh! <laughs> I always want to make new ones because oh, I'm never satisfied with them. I'm never satisfied with how they come out. I always think they could be better. I'm always wanting them to be better, basically. Um, but then there's my first puppet, the orangutan puppet that I made. Oh, yeah, I who in that. a way is my worst one, but I love her. She's one that I probably love the most. And I always feel so sorry for her because she's so downtrodden and like kind of looks very mangy and all like woolly and like old. So I always just think, God, I really should use her again. Because I feel so sorry. I'm so, I feel work. so guilty. I feel so guilty, exactly. I feel like I've just replaced her with like younger models, prettier models, kind of thing. Well, you have. And like, yeah, which is awful, isn't That's it? That's interesting. That's you awful. Said you feel like you, they're never quite right. So is there a point where you just say, the show is in three weeks, this has to do? Yeah, basically, yeah. So you find a deadline quite useful? Yeah, yeah. I think I have to. Because you'd be there really. forever, wouldn't you? Otherwise? Exactly. Because otherwise, I'd be like, oh, I'll just start again. Or... And I guess also they, it is what it is, you know, the puppet, oh, I imagine it looking like that, but actually now it looks like this. Well, that's just its character now. Okay? It's fair to say, Daisy, you're obsessed with monkeys. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> what is it about monkeys you love so much? Oh, that's a very good question. I think that monkeys, I've always loved them. Uh, I think it's, it probably is the human quality. I kind of hate to say it because I hate putting a whole like, human face on everything, but, which is kind of what I do, I guess, in my life, but... Um, I think it is just that they're just kind of like funny little aliens, I think. <laughs> they're kind of, 
and they're very mischievous, they're very fast, and they're very, like, obviously they're very clever. They're just so cute as well. I love all the different breeds. Like, there's just such a beautiful array of different yeah. shapes and sizes and colours. Um, and also, like, when I was about eight, we used to go to this old pub called the Black Horse in Bean. <laughs> and it was a, a proper dive, actually. But I once went there when I was, like, eight, and there was this cage full of monkeys in the beer garden. Oh, what a dream. Oh, it was a, true. Quite bad, a it? Yeah, oh, it was a rough. Yeah. <laughs> I used to love it. And they were little capuchins. You know, the poor little guys. The poor little guys. And, but anyway, I fell in love with this one that I called Tufty. Because <laughs> <laughs> he had two tufts over the side of his head. And we, I used to feed him peanuts <laughs> through the bars and his tiny little black hand would come out and oh. just take the peanuts. And they're perfect little miniature little black leathery hands, beautiful. And that was that cemented my love for monkeys. Oh, I'd love to have gone to that pub, wouldn't you? And have a lime and soda and a spider monkey. Oh, that reminds me of that old song. Yeah, who was it again? It was, um... Oh, yeah, the Trevor Sisters. Give me a lime, a soda and a spider monkey With a tiny little leathery hand Making all his monkey demands Give me a coconut Give me a banana Sing me a song like they do in old Savannah. Give me a lime, a soda and a spider monkey with tiny little leathery hands. If you had to choose a monkey to be, what monkey would it be? You must have ideas about this, what kind of monkey you oh. would be. I do, I do think that. Do you mean, like, ideally, or what do you think I would translate to? Well, you can choose. OK, what would I translate to? Well, I've asked my boyfriend about this. <laughs> <laughs> every girl <laughs> and he said capuchin but oh. I don't know if that's just because he knows they're one of my faves and they're really cute on. ones yeah. and they're, they're often performers <laughs> I guess they're often like the ones that are put on TV and stuff because mm. they're you know they're quite easily trained <laughs> I think that's it it's horrible isn't it sorry I don't condone any of this I love monkeys I used to this want to never have a pet when monkey. I was a child and I think that stopped me having children for years and years did you just say you used to have a tree full I of monkeys I wanted a tree full of monkeys when yeah, I was a child I instead as a family want one. Yes, totally, can totally relate to that. Which people would say is probably a maternal instinct, wouldn't they? Yeah. Would they? I think they would. Yeah. They you would put everything down to it, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> butter in the butter dish, obviously <laughs> nesting. <laughs> Catherine Morton from Long Nose Puppets oh, yeah. made me my first puppet. It's lovely. It's one with an arm and a mouth because I couldn't oh. get the mechanics of it. I couldn't work it out. Oh, yeah. But the weird thing was, I had an idea in my head of what that puppet would be when I asked her to make it. And then when she made it, it had a personality of its own. Yeah. And I had to go with that. So which comes first for you? Is it creating a puppet and then seeing what the character is? Or writing a part for it and making the puppet for that part? I think, like, I used to do it the second way. So think of exactly what I wanted it to be and then make it. But... Now, I mean, I always make a puppet quite early on because I like the making of the puppet so much. But I find it more interesting to do it the first way you said, which is to kind of make the puppet and see what comes out of its character. Because I'm not a natural performer, I came from a fine art background. So I'd always be like, I need to know exactly what I'm doing and the puppet has to be exactly right. Whereas now I'm like, no, it's, it's quite nice to have the kind of journey with the puppet. Like you make the puppet and then you're like, oh, this is... It is different to how I imagined, but that's that's cool. And also, in terms of its voice, it was quite interesting because you can kind of look at, see what the puppet looks like, you know, see what its nose is like, what its shape of its mouth is like, and that will help determine how its voice sounds. So, for example, 
you know, say it was a really la like large, like mouth, <laughs> a large mouth, then you know you can sort of make the form of the mouth with your own mouth and see what char what mm. kind of voice comes out of that. Mm -hmm. If that's you know what I, I mean. So when you've made the puppet and you're wanting to explore its character, when you've got the puppet there, you can much more easily explore its character, which would then help with the script. So it's a bit of two, um, you could do a bit of two and throw, couldn't you? Make yeah, I think that is what I do. Is, that is what I do. And adapt it a bit, yeah. Yeah, it's a mixture of both. Also... It's juggling um, so much though, isn't it? It's juggling so yeah. many balls. Do you ever get overwhelmed by it? Oh God, all, all <laughs> the time. Like during Making Sleep in Sydney, the most recent one, you could ask Orlando, my boyfriend, like I was just... I was just a nightmare, like there was stuff being thrown across the room, like proper tantrums. Oh my goodness. I know. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not proud of this, but it's what happened. What is it about <coughs> the sort of macabre stories that you like? Um, I've always loved um, fairy tales, I guess. Fairy tales, folklore, and quite gothic stuff. Um, but it's funny because sometimes I make stuff that I don't think is dark, and everyone's like, oh, that was dark. <laughs> And I, I didn't, I'm like, I didn't really, I didn't realise that it's dark. Yeah, people read things in there, don't they? And the fact yeah. that you look like a 1920s goth probably doesn't help. <laughs> that's it. It's all the lace collars. <laughs> oh, I want to be more like Daisy, Heather. What, good at puppetry? No, like a 1920s goth. She's so exotic. Lacy collars, velvet clothes, bats and ravens, cats and crows, blood and guts and witches' bones. I'm a 1920s goth. A big beer in a jar. Yeah, yeah. A dress under a bra. Yeah, yeah. You look so moody. Yeah, yeah. Like Clara Bow, don't you know? I put absinthe in my tea. Wear my long johns in the sea. Oh, how bad like I would be as a 1920s goth. Do you have any advice for procrastinators? Oh, procrastinators. Advice for procrastinators. What do you do when you, when you feel a bit stuck? or? It's a, such a classic one. I hate, hate, hate tidying and cleaning, but I do do that. When I'm, obviously, everyone does that. What's the most stupid um, cleaning thing you've ever done when you were meant to be working? Um, see, I don't think I like cleaning enough. To do something stupid? To do really pointless cleaning. Okay. My friend once decanted all the mayonnaise into one jar. <laughs> And then bleach to washing line. <laughs> Is it you? Was that, that you? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't even do the max, like the oh minimum clean. I'm terrible. Daisy, what's it like in the world of puppetry? Is it a supportive world? Yeah, I think it's a very supportive community. I remember years ago when I was first getting into puppetry, I emailed this guy in Iceland because he had this thing written on his website about <laughs> how people can go and like hang out with his horses. <laughs> It's like about hanging out with his horses, with his horses on his ranch and making some puppets and stuff. Yeah. And he's quite like a, like respected puppet like in the puppetry world. This guy burned something, and um, I was like, oh burned god, I totally want to go and hang out with burned and like his, his horses and, oh, on this beautiful Icelandic ranch and make puppets. Did he and I messaged him, and he was so friendly. And I was like, oh, I'll always welcome was... you anytime. Burns cult, Icelandic cult. Could be good though. Horses, puppets, and crisps. Horses, puppets, crisps. Horses, puppets, crisps. Come to Burns Icelandic Ranch for a puppet weekend with a difference. We'll watch the horses make puppets of courses, then eat crisps whilst I describe my divorces.
I can't wait. What, Iceland, the country, not the shop? Get me to the boat. How do you say his name again? Burns Ranch Puppets Experience. That's right. Burns Ranch Puppet Experience. I just want to make friends with real eyes. Please bring your own materials, as no horses, puppets or crisps will be provided. What advice would you have for someone wanting to try puppetry? I'd say, yeah, join, probably join a little course or something. It's probably a nice thing to do. Just because, you know, you could obviously just try doing it yourself, but it's hard to find that motivation, especially if you're not a performer or you're not a maker. Were you a creative child, Daisy? Yeah, I was very weird, quiet, introverted child. And I was always, uh, always drawing and stuff like that. Yeah, I used to make like the world's smallest monkey and stuff like that. Oh. Which was like a female monkey about the size of like my current small fingernail. Oh. My fingernails are disgustingly dirty, I've just realised. But yeah, like weenie tiny little female monkey holding a weenie tiny banana. And like it. the world's smallest book I made. I used to do that too. Have yeah. you still got it? I've still got my world smallest I think book. I've got the world's smallest monkey, but let's measure the smallest book. <laughs> <laughs> my fine mode projects were terrible. I'd made a Santa in the dark. My mum, because I wanted to do it as a surprise, but I got the, oh, the, the yellow so and the white sweet. mixed up. So we had this horrible <laughs> yellow beard. <laughs> like a nicotine stained yeah, Santa. It's probably more realistic. So lovely. I used to do that a lot. I used to I had a cabin bed and I used to just sit in, in the cabin bed making things throughout the night because I could never sleep. I've oh, never been able so to sleep. Oh. But they were awful because it was in, in the dark. <laughs> I couldn't oh. see. <laughs> Do you not get like a little kind of like a little light in there? Well, I had, uh, what I had was, do you remember those glow worm dolls you used to yeah. get that you cuddled? <gasps> oh, I love so them. So I would have to clamp it under one arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one arm. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's Very so low sweet. light. What determination. Daisy, what do you think drives your creativity? What keeps you going? I think I've just always done it. I think I would get really depressed if I didn't do it. Have you ever stopped? and seen what happens? Never. But there have been times where I've been so busy um, that I haven't really been able to be creative as much and I do get really down, mm. really, like, quite depressed, actually. Mm. I think it stops me getting depressed, which is good. I love, just love doing it and I think I just always have done it since I was little. And when I was little, it was a bit of escape, an escape as well. Mm. You know, I used to kind of use that as a way to escape life. Yeah. Um, and I think... Don't quite use it as an escape now, but it just is just what I've always done. Mm-hmm. Really, I understand what you mean um, about it's, it wards away depression. Yeah, because sort of um, it feeds your soul, doesn't it? Somehow, it does, and I think everyone is create. Everyone is creative. You know, yeah. you just have yeah. to find the right avenue of like how to channel it. Mm-hmm. And I think that really does make people very depressed if they just don't get to be creative at all. Do you think That's sometimes it. you forget to be creative and then you remember? Yeah, and it, and it probably. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you feel like you have to write a list of things you love doing to remind yeah. yourself when things get you too get much. you get so bogged well, down, can't you, yeah. with just life? So yeah. much to do in life. There is laundry and hoovering. Exactly. It's so <laughs> You much. said you don't do any cleaning. I know I don't. I'm just imagining what <laughs> people have to do. <laughs> Um, so I've got a question here. Or have you got one as well? Well, I was going to do gonna one do of. The... I was going to do Julie Barker's question. Oh, yes, go on then. We'll finish. Yeah, we? question... We'll finish with the guest <laughs> questions. Shall we? Finish with the guest questions. This is a question from Julie Barker. What works best for you creatively? Careful planning or throwing yourself in at the deep end? I think uh, a bit of both. I think I would benefit from throwing myself in at the deep end. I tend to get quite bogged down with uh, 
is a procrastination thing. I try and plan too much. So you I mean think on paper. Do you mean writing lists and things? Yeah, conceptual stuff. Writing lists, trying to work out all the conceptual stuff. <laughs> when actually, sometimes you just try something out. Yeah. So I think that's a really good question, actually. And I think there's a a mixture. I think I do. I need to try and do a mixture of both, but yeah, less sometimes less planning actually. I find that too. Yeah. I, I like the fine details. Yeah. But it's not necessary all the time. No, exactly. Mm. It's good to have a mixture, isn't it? It's good. It's, whenever you've got a deadline, it's interesting, isn't it? Because then you end up at the same results mm. you would have had yeah. if you'd just exactly. done months months. Yeah, that's so There's true. a really brilliant book by a woman. I'll have to find out her name. Um, she wrote a book about writing in the 1930s, and then it got Ooh. sort of copied with the artist's way, really. Heather, I can't remember anything. It's embarrassing. Yeah, you can. Tell me something you can remember. I've just remembered we have a fact machine. To remember for us. Fact, 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 fact. The book, Becoming a Writer, by Dorothea Brand, was written in 1934. It gives advice on balancing creativity with practicality. Jo has lent her copy to someone. So she won't see it again. ISBN. 9780874771640 He says that, for example, with creativity, say you want to get to the top of the stairs, you can run really fast and get to the top of the stairs, or you can just walk up the stairs. And she's sort of saying the end result is exactly the yeah. same. Just gently do it. And it's almost like that sometimes, isn't it? You go, instead of like tearing your hair out and worrying about how much you've got to yeah. do, you're going to get really right just start doing it and the more you start doing it the more you whittle away at your endless list of jobs and exactly. you get there and you get to the same basically, result basically I'm realising that being calm and relaxed is the key isn't it it can be helpful really calm, I think it? that it's uh, it's so important I'm trying to like I'm actually trying to meditate every morning I keep forgetting to doing some breathing I'm too stressed <laughs> I know I, don't I, I, um, I have to uh, kind of set an alarm uh, that doesn't seem right, does it? An alarm reminding you I to I know, meditate. it's quite funny, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's good that you funny. do that, though, you're prioritising like, it. I've only done it for like a week now, but I've done it pretty much every day for That's a week. Good. That's good. So, a question from Jake May. What do you do to get back on track when you find yourself in the creative doldrums? Oh, I, um, I think you have to incubate. So you have to suck in some art <laughs> rather or than worrying about... Exactly. Go to an exhibition, read a book, go on Pinterest, which I go on way too much and sometimes that isn't actually that helpful. Mm. Um, that kind of thing. Like, go and, like, take, try and take in some art. That's I a think. great idea. That's and great I'm trying to also do bits of writing, which I never do. I never remember to do that. You know... They say, don't they, do some free writing in the morning, but I never do that. Oh, that's from that same book. That's from The Artist's Way and stuff. No, it? The, oh, yeah, but this the, is the, the original, the original one. book. Yeah, she said the same oh, thing. Yeah. That's really good, though, because she talks about um, writing to order and writing whatever condition you're in. So when you work, the idea is that you wake up in the morning and you've not opened your eyes yet and you just start writing, which shows you can write however tired or however delirious you are. Oh. And the other one that's really good is setting a time, a different time each day, to go, at quarter past four today, I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing and for 15 minutes I'm going to do my creative work. That's cool. And then cool. the next day you do half past one and that's about working to order. It's clever, isn't mm. it? Just showing I'm yourself that you that. can do it. I'm going to try yeah. it. <laughs> right, question, our final question, I think, from Harold Sobo. Is that okay? Hang on, mother. We're losing sound, we're losing sound. Robot Surveillance has detected that... Harold Sobo. ...is a made-up name. 
His comment has been vetoed. Your interview with Jay-Z Dorton. Isn't he married to Beyonce? Correction. Daisy Jordan has been terminated. Ah! Where did she go? Daisy? Interview subject. Davy Gordon. Correction. Lazy Gorgon has been transported to Creative Beast HQ, where she will record her creative challenge with Unit One worker Sensible Sarah, the fairest and most organized. Hang on, what's happening? No. Sound will terminate in five, four. Is it me, or is it getting smaller in here? Three. It's not getting smaller, but it is getting wider. Two. Like a modern Mars bar. One. Sound in the portable vestibule will now come to an end. Good night. Oh, what a wonderful interview. Well, let's have a talk about it in the control room. Oh. Do you think Daisy's going to be okay? Yeah, I gave her a croissant. Oh, so did I. Oh, she'll be fine then. She loves croissants. Ah, well. That bit about never being satisfied was interesting. But how can you ever be satisfied when you're working creatively? You know... I mean, surely it's a case of, well, that I'll have to do. That's the best I can do. The deadline's tomorrow, and I'm already getting ideas for the next thing. Yeah, I think so. I can't imagine anyone has ever said, that's me done. All my art has been created. <laughs> All my songs have been sung. Now it's time for me to buy a motorhome. Or maybe they do. Yeah, I get a big sense of satisfaction when I finish a project, but I always want to start the next one straight away. And I'm not sure what drives it whether it's not being satisfied with what I've done or just loving the work. I read an interview with Kazuro Ishiguro and he said that he feels he's writing the same story over and over again and that he revisits the same themes with each book and just tries to do a better job each time. And I think we're all doing that to a certain extent, going over and doing the things we love and trying to polish up that gemstone. I like that Daisy sets an alarm to meditate. It's very sensible. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I got into meditation this year and I love it. Meditation's great. I wish I'd discovered it years ago. I used to think it was about having a blank mind and that seemed like an unsurmountable task, so I gave up. I do mindfulness meditation. And it's great if you're someone with a busy mind that overthinks, as I am. Scheduling time to do it is a really good idea because it can very easily fall by the wayside. Yeah, meditation is definitely worth making time for. David Lynch says he's been doing it twice a day for 33 years, and look how creative and productive he is. Here's a quote from his book, Catching the Big Fish, about creativity and meditation. It's good for the artist to understand conflict and stress. Those things can give you ideas. But I guarantee you, if you have enough stress, you won't be able to create. And if you have enough conflict, it will just get in the way of your creativity. You can understand conflict, but you don't have to live in it. Oh, what a relief. We'll take your challenge on From a painting to a song Cha-cha challenges Creative challenges Won't you join in with us too There is nothing we can't do Cha-cha challenges Creative challenges Knitting, quilting, cross-stitch too Doing the electric boogaloo Dancing origami Singing the hits of the Russian Red Army Challenges Creative challenges Chicha challenges So, Heather, Jerry's challenge To draw Minnie the Minx or Dennis the Menace with the face of someone you know or somebody famous 
I enjoyed this challenge very much because it felt like a frivolous commission, which I've, I always love them. And it was a lovely excuse to draw. I use coloured inks for the first time. I've never really got on with them before. I never really know what they're for. They seem to be for those kind of slightly Emile Nold colour things, a bit, I suppose, Mark Chagall-ish. But I mean, there's no way I can draw like Emile Nold and Mark Chagall, but they felt nice for this because they were better than watercolours. They seemed to be a bit more forgiving in terms of coverage. <laughs> So how did you find Jerry's challenge, Heather? Yeah, I, I loved it. I'd never done anything like it before, really. Um, and I decided I didn't want to draw Alan Titchmarsh because I just didn't want to look at his face for ages. So I found a Beano cover with Minnie and Dennis sharing a jumper. And I thought it'd be nice to do maybe a comedy double act. And I went for the two Ronnies, um, mostly because I wanted to put Ronnie Barker in a wig. I think you did very well in combining the two Ronnies with... Minnie and Dennis. Oh, thank you. I'm not a graphic designer, so this wasn't um, a task that I was really relishing, but actually I enjoyed doing it. It's really nice to look at how other artists work, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's really interesting. I did find it quite difficult, though, because I don't usually draw cartoons, and I came a bit unstuck with uh, the lettering and the colouring in, and I didn't think it through properly or plan it, and I started out with just a cheap sketch pad and didn't think about how I was going to colour it in. So when I did colour it in with watercolours, it just looked a bit sort of... um, The watercolour seemed to stick on the paper a little bit too much. I didn't like the look of it. I suppose when you do something on paper and then you scan it and it's to be viewed on a screen, it it sort of becomes something else. Mm. I actually prefer my drawing I did in real life than than when I scanned it because it it lost the obvious homemadeness of it or maybe the homemadeness of it got highlighted in a not-good way. I don't know. There were so many good listener challenges that came in. I really loved uh, the way people interpreted it differently as well, like the hipster desperate Dan with his vegan cow pie. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I hope more people join in and send us pictures. There's plenty of time to get involved. I really loved Joseph Nixon's uh, Daniel Johnson. Yeah, well, that's that was brilliant. I had no idea that uh, Joseph Nixon knows that much about Daniel Johnson. It was very well observed. Beryl the Peril is one of my favourite names. We'd have to be um, Joanna the Banana and Heather the Weather. You could be like a changeable thundercloud. Yeah, what are you trying to say? I think as a character, the weather's more versatile <laughs> than a banana. But, you know, then again, consider the greatness of Banana Man. Something I do daily. Right then, let's hear Daisy's challenge. So, my challenge for you is to make a poppet. And you can use whatever you like. It can be as simple or as complex as you like. A wooden spoon, for example, paper cup, you know, a bit of wood, anything. Bits of string. See what you come up with. Anyone can make a puppet. It's just a face. And it would be easy to do voices. Yes, like... I could stick eyes on this loo brush and talk like this. I'm a loo brush, I hardly ever get used because you can't be bothered to do any housework, even the really essential stuff like cleaning the loo. Look at my sad face and my blue brush eyes. Yeah, and I could put a wig on this George Foreman grill and talk like this. I am a George Foreman grill. Watch with fascination as the fat drips from my mouth. Why is there so much junk in here? Because you didn't take it to the car boot. Oh yes, couldn't be bothered to self at 4am to be haggled with by strangers in a field. Mm. As always, we'd love it if you join in with this challenge and share the results with us. Email photos of your creations to us at creativebeastpodcast at gmail.com or find us at MyCreativeBeast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.
Can't wait to see what you come up with. Hooray! <laughs> And I said, that's the last time I'm taking advice from Ricky Gervais. Shh. Hang on, what's that? <gasps> Look, there's Sensible Sarah, the intern, in one of the cells. What's she doing down there? She's holding my glowworm. She's using it to illuminate some kind of glue stick. She's, She's making, making something, something in the dark. dark. Hello? Are you OK? Oh. Hello, unit workers two and three. I heard Daisy's challenge. I wanted to have a go. It's easy. I bet you've done great. Let's have a look. Ooh. Oh, God. Oh, which way up is it meant to go? Is it meant to happen? Why is it meant to menacing? Perhaps it needs some eyes. Here you go. I've got some spares. It is important where you place them, isn't it, Heather? Oh, yeah, very important. Oh, no, Let's put break, really. Silence. I need absolute silence. That's I won. That's my meditation alarm. Wow. Yeah, I know. I got the idea off Daisy. Oh, no. Now look. I've bodged it. Oh, and after everything I've done, organising your interview, installing the alarmed detection device, imprisoning the intruder... Imprisoning the intruder? Yes. He's over there in cell 34. Heather, it's a man! Oh, yeah. He looks familiar. Hello, Joe. Heather. Is that you? It's Harold Sobo! Oh, poor Harold. Are you okay, Mr Sobo? I was bringing you some of Mrs Malcolm's edible glitter in blast-off bronze. Right, sensible Sarah. You take Harold up to the control room and get him the sweet tea. It's the least you can do. Much obliged. Yes, Joe. Won't you be coming too? Not until we've fed the beast. Now it's time to feed the beast. go. Here's Daisy's interview. Our creative challenges. Daisy's creative challenge. All the songs. Some spare sweet tea. Mrs Malcolm's edible glitter. In, in blast-off blast bronze. bronze. Now, just wind the music box. And we can relax. Finally. Thanks for listening to the Creative Beast podcast. Can't wait to see your creative challenges. And don't forget to like and subscribe. See you next time. Santa in the Dark was written and performed by Joanna Neary and Heather Minor. Music and production by Heather Minor, mastering by John Griffin. With special creative guest Daisy Jordan and additional vocals from Chris Sloman, John Griffin, Ross Gurney Randall and Rebecca Bell.